the latest episode of the So-Called Oreos podcast. We're back in the studio this week after having an amazing guest, uh, Kimberly Cummings, with us last time. Uh, I'm Amari, today's today's co-host, today's host, whatever. Um, And I'm here with... Kia Swinton. (laughs) Janae Price. Crap, I don't want to say my last name. Rachel. (laughs) Hey, guys. Um, So how was everyone's week? I mean, personally, I had a shitty one. Pun very much intended because a bird literally shit in my hair (laughs) after my wash day. Um, So does that mean good luck? Yeah, that's good luck, Amari. I I think that's some white people shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't believe in that. Did you have any good luck? No, it didn't. I went yeah. to the I went to the airport. I don't think it happens right away. Yeah, it could happen uh, later. If, okay. if, she, if she doesn't believe in it, then it's not going to happen. So. Okay, manifest well, okay, it. Okay, <laughs> well, hopefully it happens because I went to the airport. I ordered some food, and these these guys forgot I ordered food. So I'm just watching people get their food, just standing there. So I don't think it worked. But I did get yeah. two free drinks last night at the bar. That's, so that's, that's good, good luck. luck. Okay, see, that's that's good luck or a thirsty old man. Here and there, you know, there. <laughs> you know, we got to take what we can get. You know, <laughs> what Life's about blessing. you guys? How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. It's been like an emotional roller coaster week. I don't know why. Yeah. Just a lot. Mercury. I mean, Mercury isn't. I was just about to say Mercury is mm-hmm. damn sure in retrograde. But like, I have been pretty lucky um, in terms of the money aspect. So you know, that's been great. Hey. It's been great. That's All right. always good. Tax it returns. I mean, I was looking at maybe three hundred dollars. Lord bless me with like almost three k. What? Yeah. Oh, is this including the settlement? No. Girl, what? and then Girl. on top of it, I got a settlement. And no, then don't, be, t- don't, don't be telling wow. people. Don't be telling people shit like that because right. they'd be like, "Oh, y'all, if y'all try to, if y'all try to steal it, it's all gone to student loan. So it's not even in my <laughs> oh, bank account no more." Yeah. You know. Um, and then my baby DJ for radio got. I referred him for a job at my job and he got it and I think that means I get a little bonus bonus it does mean you get a little bonus so I don't know I've never been this lucky before I'm really blessed I wish I'm being greedy because I'm like I put a lot of it to student loans and savings (laughs) but I'm like damn Kia I want some more for myself I also got weekend tickets turn up turn up and JoJo tickets so okay I'm out here Kia is doing the damn thing I'm out here spring is my growth you know spring usually means growth you know so put in a lot of work Mm -hmm. enjoy the summer that's the goal Amen. That's my update. How are you guys? I thought I was dying. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> your chest? Yes. I had yes. really um, bad chest pains on my left side. Turns out it just was stress. And I went to the emergency room. Oh, God. So I, I, didn't, I didn't go to the emergency room when I first felt it. I thought it was like gas or like acid reflux, even though I don't have acid reflux. Mm. And I waited like three days, and, and that's when it got it was really bad. And I was at the movies, and... And I said, my boyfriend, Daniel, like, I can't take it anymore. We got to go. Um, but it was just due to stress. It's inflammation. And they gave me ibuprofen. And at the time when she was like, oh, we're just going to give you um, ibuprofen and you should be fine. I was like, the fuck? I could just went to the <laughs> Oh, my God, yeah. And yeah. spent, like, $20 on a box of ibuprofen. How long did you wait there, like, in the emergency oh, room? Oh, I was there from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. <gasps> Yeah, I'm fighting. <laughs> At the emergency room, they, they ran a whole bunch of tests on me. They didn't find anything. I'm like, I was good. It was just inflammation uh, due to stress. I forgot what they diagnosed me as a long-ass name. 
but um, it's due to stress, heavy lifting, or like a strong blow to the chest. And I haven't been lifting anything, and no one has been hitting me in my chest. So no <laughs> definitely stress. <laughs> well, you know, but, um, takes you got to take care of yourself. I know, I know, but I've been I've been doing a little bit better. Um, but I just I just you just take um, you just take for granted like how young you are, and like I I don't take. Um, I didn't take stress seriously, but this was definitely a wake up call because it definitely does take a toll on your body. And I know that I talk about this on my segment. And um, for me, this is like, all right, I definitely have to like change my diet and work out and find ways to control like my stress and anxiety. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Damn, stress will definitely scary. show itself in uh, very it scary ways. It definitely did. We're, yeah. we're happy you're all right, though. Yeah, I'm happy Thank it was you. just real, stress real. and not like, coronavirus. Something. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say <laughs> corona. They did ask me if I traveled. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Corona free, huh? <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> I passed. Okay. Um, my week was pretty groovy. Groovy. I also came into the moolah, which this morning hey. um I used to settle some debts. So yes. I'm yes. so free. productive. I'm feeling like the most productive Janae that's ever been. Yes. Which is great. Yes. Take care of your finances. Um <clears throat> what else what happened? Sorry. What's, what's the <laughs> dating know. coronavirus? Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Dating update. Okay. <clears throat> so I um this this actually happened a little while ago, but I'm gonna tell you guys about it now. Um so I went on a, a date with this guy who I knew automatically like I wasn't he had a great personality, we were having good text conversations, but I was kinda like mm. he's a little ugly. Kia. Kia. <laughs> Anyone that says great personality and, and strays straight away from the track. Yeah, I already know he's, he's ugly. He's not ugly. He okay, just wasn't well. necessarily my type. And I was like, let Yo, me give this Janae a try. over here trying to be diplomatic. Nah, yeah. he's ugly. Uh, You're all some like, assholes. Okay? <laughs> You're all assholes. So. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> it was we, Kia. <laughs> anyway, we went on the date. We had a good time, but afterwards I was kind of like, mm, you ugly. I could see friendship, oh, not much more. And I was like freaking myself she out about it. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like broach this. If he tries to like kiss me or if he asks me on another date, I'm going to have to turn him down. I'm going to feel like a dick. And then he never texted me. Sometimes and I that never happens. texted oh, him. Yeah. Oh. And I was so relieved because I was like, mm-hmm. we are on the same damn page. And that is a phenomenally beautiful thing. You both ghost each other. Yeah, we both, we both ghosted each other. And I'm like very, very happy about the way that yeah, turned out. That's good. Yeah. That so I'm like, that was a good dating experience. I went out with someone, had a good time, had good, deep, introspective conversation. And then we both decided that, you know, this wasn't a viable situation so that's good because that's it's it. crazy when people like you'll ha- you'll go on a date and then one person's like obviously i'm not feeling this other person's like i really want to see you again yeah. and, you. and it's like uh-huh. what were you not reading the room yeah and that's kind of <laughs> what the, i was expecting but at the same time i do think it is fair like if you're not sure to then go on another date or an, to with a person because i feel like it is re- it is a lot of pressure on one date to think that you're gonna have a soul uh clear idea sometimes you do and i feel like it's fair if you don't and then you go on another date just to suss out like 
That's fair. But after two. And also we put a lot of time. pressure like going on the first date. We right. Like, perfect. Yeah. To like you and like you want this instant love connection. And like, yeah, sometimes that does happen. And then sometimes I feel like you, it grows or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like yeah. if you just really <laughs> listen to your gut, you could tell like the levels of like, like it's rare. It can be like, oh, my God, this this person's amazing they're yeah. my person but it's also like okay you could tell if they're, this, they're doing things that you're like oh this would annoy me in the future yeah. or the, like mm-hmm. I could see us hanging out again you know yeah. I think it's like if people really just think about their like how they feel that's a lot of answers which we're more so of like the paper things like what's his job what's blah 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 yeah. but it's also about like okay how do you feel and that's what I've really been working on strengthening especially in therapy working on strengthening that inner voice that tells me like something's not quite right mm-hmm. or you don't feel 100% about that instead of like second guessing and saying everything here is right on paper but I don't feel right so I'm just being stupid no it's like just your feelings because, are facts exactly my feelings are facts. says my feelings are valid so it's like just learning to be more in touch with that and listen to those has been a, a good experience but look at that growth all around growth. on so called Oreos yep. so proud of you Janae thank you okay. oh my god okay uh, sorry to cut this dating segment short now we were good Okay, we love. We do actually really love talking about dating in general. Um, but Kia, what do you have for us this week in Black history? Okay, y'all. This week in Black history, March 10th to March 12th, 1972, the National Black Political Convention, or the Gary Convention, was held in Gary, Indiana, which gathered around 10,000 African Americans to discuss and advocate for black communities that undergo significant economic and social crisis. And then on March 14th, 1838, black people held a mass meeting in Philadelphia to protest the action of the Pennsylvania Reform Convention of 1837, which denied them the right to vote. And I focused on things about voting because it's election year. And this was a big week, Super Tuesday, a lot of things going on election. So I wanted to bring back the importance of how uh, the black vote matters. And I think a lot of us think like, oh, our vote doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But it's important to remember that, like, especially if you're a black or a woman, you didn't always have those rights. And even now, like a lot of people internationally don't have those rights. So I think Americans take that for granted. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. highlight that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, even looking on Super Tuesday, I mean, that proved just the fact that Biden got back in the race proves that black people have a say and their vote counts 100%. because it was black Southerners yep. who came out and showed up in droves and voted for Biden. And I feel like everyone for a second forgot he was in the race. Yeah. Super <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. But I think yeah. he was riding on that because he was like, okay, we're, what was the uh, Iowa? You know, they're not a lot of black people. Um, you have like Vegas, which I guess, but like he was really riding on like, I'm going to get South Carolina and Super Tuesday and I'm going to get the black vote. And that's what he was really banking on. And it, yeah, you're right. It just shows like, I think a lot of people like this year, like fighting for like the black vote because that's what matters in the Democratic Party. And I think yeah. it's, it's important to note that I personally feel like more people are fighting for the black vote because of the way that black people didn't necessarily show up in the last election. For sure. So I think oh, a lot... Hmm? But black women... Black sh- women. Sh- they, sh- they showed up in droves. Yes. But yes. not as much as Obama. Years. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, I think we're taking a note 
and us as a people, aside from black women, because we always here are really mm-hmm. trying to be like, all right, it's time to get our shit together. We really yeah. let things slide last time. Definitely a wake up call. Yeah. And, and speaking of black women, I decided to highlight Simone Sanders, a.k.a. Simone the Sanders for black professionals we love this week. For those of you who don't know, uh, Sanders is a senior advisor for the 2020 presidential election of former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, And this week on Super Tuesday, she went viral after tackling an anti-dairy protester at Joe Biden's victory speech in L.A. on Super Tuesday. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen the clip. I've watched it maybe 20 times because this shit is hilarious. Um, (laughs) This protester comes on stage and you just see... Uh, Dr. Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, like grab the protester and try to block her away from Joe. And then another protester comes and then Sanders just runs on the stage and tackles her like she's a linebacker or some shit. It was crazy. Um, she deserves a raise. Uh, <laughs> she definitely does. She's sacrificing right. herself for this man and his wife while he's just standing there um, looking all confused. Like he has this whole election season. Um, but I think she... he has dementia, y'all. What? I think Joe Biden really has dementia. Yo, no joke. If you see the videos of him speaking, you're like, bro, he's off. But the, all these old white men are off. Yeah, but he's extra off. That's just my obsession, like observation. Let me it. pay more attention because I I did not. Y'all look at some videos. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay yeah. more attention to he's, some notes. He's not extra. He's not. He hasn't. Ex- he hasn't been there. But like during this clip, <laughs> he looks very much aware of like like it takes him a while to realize what's happening and then he just like kind of stands there um (laughs) so i just wanted to highlight simone sanders because that was some crazy uh crazy footwork on her part ride or Um, die yeah really though and it's interesting what's interesting about her is that she first gained prominence um as the national press secretary for bernie sanders during his 2016 campaign uh and there was a little bit of uh it was a little muddled the way her she exited the campaign. Um, no one really knows if she was fired or she decided to quit. Um, there are different narratives. Um, but I think it's interesting that she was with Bernie Sanders in 2016 and now she's with uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, that's how um, it's switching. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight her this week. I thought her story was interesting. Dope. Um, yeah. Um, but again, on the topic of amazing women, uh, it's Women's History Month. Turn up. Look at that. Yeah. Um, so before we get like started into our conversation, I know Janae uh, was going to tell us a little bit more about how this month came to be. Yeah, I had some women's history fast facts for y'all. So crazy enough, and while researching this, I found out that women's history wasn't a thing like as recently as the 1970s, which Mm -hmm. that's insane. That's literally within our parents' lifetime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So around 1978, uh, March 8th was chosen as a focal point of observance for women's history. And it started off as women's history week um, and it was an education task force of the Sonoma County um, Commission that uh, started it. It was basically just like a, a group of teachers that decided that this should be a thing um, and then after seeing the success and that grow in California, 
excuse me, in February 1980, President Carter issued the first week um, presidential proclamation declaring uh, the week of March 8th, 1980 as National Women's History Week. Uh, word spread, and by 1986, 14 states have al- already declared March as Women's History Month, um, and that momentum continued. And by 1987, Congress declared March as National Women's History Month in perpetuity. So that's how uh, National Women's History Month came to be. And March 8th is International Women's Day. Women's Day, yeah. Yep, yep. And to to think that it just started by, like, a group of teachers. I think of my sister. Shout out. If you haven't listened to that, um, the education episode, go. It's very funny. Um, But that teachers in this country have really done a lot for women, actually, Mm -hmm. and youth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, Yeah. uh, yeah. It's amazing. Shout out to the teachers. Shout out to the teachers. We're real though. Pay them more. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yes, pay them more. Yeah, but it's it, it, it's interesting because it always starts out like a, like focusing on a day and then it expands into a week and then always like takes the president or someone in a higher uh, position to like recognize it as a full on month. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, women just need to be recognized for all the amazing, incredible things that they have done for this country and for this world. And it's insane because Time Magazine recently did um, a celebration of what, like, uh, impactful women and like created all these different covers I think of like a hundred influential women and because there has not been a lot of women chosen for like person of the year which I think is uh, insanely stupid <laughs> considering women are half of the population um, yeah. yeah wasn't Greta was Greta the one this year or no the little 17 year old that's a good question. Like the no little seventeen-year-old, because <laughs> she looks young. She, she looks, looks like, young. She looks very. She's, young. I think she's seventeen. Uh, oh. I think she's. I think she's like sixteen. Oh, or, or fifteen or something like oh, that. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. I went to get a facial this week, and my esthetician, whatever that's called, um, she was like, how old are you? And I just knew she was going to be like, you look so young. So I was like 25, and she's like, oh, I thought you were 18. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess that means my skin looks good. I think we all look younger than we actually I get are. 18 all the time. I'm just like, but it's really uncomfortable when guys say you look 18. I'm like, why are you talking to me then? Okay. I've been told that I look like a baby in real life what like i look like an adult baby you definitely don't and you're also like six foot i don't know man an adult this, baby? this woman came up to me i was with my mom i was at brooklyn blend shout out to you uh she's like how old your child no she was like <laughs> she was like oh my god you are so cute oh like, my thank what? you and she was like you really look like a baby <laughs> Just a child, just a baby. Your cheeks are so round. Oh, your freckles. Oh, oh my god! Like, Thanks. What do you say to that? Yeah, it's like okay. But anyway, back on task. Um, Meanwhile, Gre- Greta is an actual child. Um, but yeah, she. You were right, Kia. She was chosen as person of the oh, year. Oh yeah, okay. In 2019. Uh, that's what I thought. Um, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, so I know, like, when we were trying to think of this idea for the next podcast, and we came up with you know highlighting women's history month we also talked about like ideas of feminism and what that means um and how you know people for some reason have a hard time getting behind the idea of feminism as in general but then also you know i think people there are different waves of feminism um 
so I mean I know I've struggled with uh, that word for like my own personal reasons sometimes not because I'm not a feminist I'm very much a feminist um, but I do believe that you know I wouldn't necessarily say you know America's general idea of uh, feminism can feel very uh, like it isolates a lot of women of color particularly black women um, so I was just wondering what you guys felt on on that topic also I'd like to give a little definition of feminism um, because I feel like even now, like people have are like confused about feminism, which I think is crazy. I'm like, what? Because it's so straightforward. It's like, entirely yeah. straightforward. It's do you just believe like, in women's rights? It's like, do you believe the equality for the sexes? Equality for the sexes. Beyonce educated us. I mean, she shouldn't have to, but she like, damn, to, it's pretty yeah. simple. It's just like, do you believe women and men are equal? And people are like, uh, uh. <laughs> it's just like, what? How y'all don't get that? And I think, and I think it's also just because like they have this really warped idea that feminists are like out here burning their bras and like yeah. waving right. them around and like that's this kind of stark image of what feminism is and it's like if you believe in equality for the sexes you are a feminist yeah I love when people are like my boyfriend's a feminist it's like okay he's a decent person congrats like, <laughs> good for you that's like the bare minimum <laughs> because at the basis we all should be feminists it's like Literally, if you're not that's like being like <laughs> that's like congratulating someone for being not racist it's yeah. like what yeah. it's like what <laughs> I don't know that always baffled my mind when people like have this crazy idea of what feminism yeah. is it's like what I mean I know personally and you know in conversations I get irritated when I talk to men about feminism because some men the automatic knee-jerk reaction is yeah I'm I'm a total feminist but it's like a big butt under there. Like, I don't believe in attacking men and, and all this other stuff. On one hand, that irks me. And then on the other hand, when I'm in spaces with white women who are talking about feminism, I once again get annoyed. Um, so as I, I definitely identify myself as a feminist, I believe in equality for the sexes, but I do have a hard time kind of identifying in one space when it comes to feminism i guess can you give an example of like like what white women say or something like why it's because i I feel uh, that way too but i want to hear your response i just know for me it's kind of always this this grading factor of one looking at the history right where it's kind of like when the fight for women's rights started black women were put themselves in that fight Mm -hmm. but once rights started to fall down it was kind of like "Mm, not for y'all though like susan b anthony fighting for the right to vote but then said i'd rather what did she say i'd rather cut off my arm than let a black man vote or something yeah yeah so something like that but basically that and then just in experiences just talking to people about rights in general you know as a person of color mentioning my own rights and then having someone uh, a white woman come up and say yeah and it's hard for me too Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. personally I know that when I walk into the room I'm seen as black first then I'm seen as a woman Mm -hmm. the ceiling the the, the glass ceiling is already like there it's already above my head It's, it's already above my head like there's shattering that bitch is real tough for me and it's just difficult to when I'm talking about my own struggle to hear white women jump in and be like oh you know my struggle too and it's kind of like we're not talking about your struggle right now we're not talking about your struggle (laughs) right now one and two we shouldn't we shouldn't be comparing struggles and three if we were going to go toe to toe you have an easier time in this world than I do yeah for sure and you get paid more and you get paid more and you get offered more opportunities and people believe you more just based off of the color of your skin 
And the world deems you as beautiful. And the world deems <laughs> you as beautiful, the things. standard of beauty. So, I mean... Yeah, I totally get that. I think with, like... I feel like I've had the same thing with, like, when I hear a white woman talk about feminists or something, I'm, I just kind of, like, automatically roll my eyes because I'm just like, yeah, what are you mm-hmm. fighting for? Because it's like, when... I feel like when we talk about it, it's like we fight for, like, everyone, and it's like we know how much harder it is to get paid and it ha- to even, like, how you said, beauty standards and stuff like that. And I feel like with them, sometimes it just gets tainted with, like, like, they have... It's like things, but it's like not things that are on a large scale. So it's like man spreading and like yeah. I want to free the nipple. And it's like that's all cool and all, but it's like let's get to the 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 things that are like facts. Like let's mm-hmm. and then like women will be like oh, feminists, but like not support abortion rights or something yeah. stuff like that. So I'm yeah. like let's let's get down to the facts, like abortion rights and like getting paid and who's getting paid because actually Asian women get paid more than white women. Yeah, I just want people to realize that too. I think it goes it goes Asian women, white women, white men, black. Latino, Hispanic. Yeah, yeah and then native american i think but mm-hmm. it's like let's talk about not just not gender pay it's like let's talk about okay the gender pay gap between white women and black women like let's it's talk like, about the wealth gap yeah let's yeah. talk about the wealth gap let's talk about mm-hmm. like history of like how white privilege is into that and i feel like they don't really get that or when i acknowledge that and i think they're like oh you're attacking me whatever but it's like what we just want you to know is that to acknowledge your privilege and i, I don't understand why white people have such a hard time like, just acknowledging their privilege yeah. it's always like well my i'm jewish and in the holocaust we were in the holocaust too what's up like you know what i'm saying it's just like do do you guys think that we can ever like come together like black women and white women asian women and talk about the issues that we we face as women in this country or do you think that just because we've all had different walks of life and experiences that we will never be able to agree on certain things as women no i think people if you have privilege you need to recognize your privilege like that's like the same with like lgbt rights like we would recognize that being a straight person you do have more privilege and and the way that people like look at you and think about you and same with like we're not trans i don't know what it's like to be trans but i can imagine that's a freaking hard and like you're life is like your life is like endangered like all the time so i think we need to there's like so many sections of intersectionality of that like like trans trans rights gay rights that a lot of that stems from like black people within those communities Mm -hmm. like martha p johnson all these things so it's like i can't like as a black person i don't feel comfortable not saying something for those people because i know that are like black people were very much in that movement and maybe that like mm. what they're going through does not directly impact my life but i don't feel comfortable not saying that because in my head hey as black people we are highly discriminated against mm-hmm. so i think anyone who's discriminated <clears throat> against deserves to be brought into um conversation and movement and like trying to revolutionize so this, like this feels this feels like the aids epidemic how it was affecting the black community and now that the opioid crisis is affecting the white community now they see that it's an issue and now they want to implement programs and say that it's a health issue yeah for sure i think it's like rachel to answer your question i think it's possible but i think it would be only possible if we you know like people have to recognize their privilege and i think that's like again like i just don't understand why that's so hard like no one's asking you to like pay us reparations you know what i'm saying it's just like just be like yeah you know it is hard being a woman but i can imagine that being a black woman is hard because x y and z or like dating is hard it's harder for you like just acknowledging those things just goes so far and i just don't think that people 
realize that how far it is to just like acknowledge it and just be aware and then i think also just like checking people around you so if you hear someone say something ignorant about like an asian person about like coronavirus like that is my duty to be like no that's that's messed up and i don't have to be asian to realize that's messed up that's just messed up that's racist yeah Yeah. And, and just like piggybacking off of that what you said kia i think that it is so difficult for a white person just based off of the things that I've seen at times to recognize like a white woman specifically to recognize it's time for me to speak up for another group of people because I know as a black person if I'm in a room and someone says something racist about an Asian person a Latino person any other group of people I'm like you're gonna Mm -hmm. call me a nigger behind closed doors so I'm going Mm -hmm. to stand up and say something and I don't think that that's the way white women think no they don't I don't think that well and I don't want to generalize but I think that there's a distinct difference between saying I'm at the bottom of the totem pole so let me help out the people who are below me yeah I I I don't think that that's there for other groups of people I do remember a point in college because I think that was when all the uh unarmed black shootings seem to have come to like a head and like you know like I think it was like 2015 2016 around that time and there was like a lot of protests on my college campus shout out to Lemoyne um and I was a part of the student group and we're making signs and we're getting ready to do like a sit-in during dining hours and um I was trying to get all my friends (laughs) and I, I used to be proud that my friends were such a mixed group of people I really took pride in that um, and I was like, hey, guys, like, I'm participating in the sitting. Like, you should do it. You should do it. And they're all like, no, we don't want to do it. And it was really hurtful for me because these are some white friends I thought were down for the cause. There were some black friends that I thought, like, your ass definitely should be down for the cause. Um, and they weren't there with me. And then my one friend um, who was on the lacrosse team with me made a sign, came, showed up, stood next to me the whole time. And I was just like, I fuck with you because... And then she was probably the person I least expected to stand, like, do the sit-in with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was right there with me. And I noticed, you know, her putting herself into spaces. And that was something I appreciated because it wasn't something, like, we discussed. It was just, like, when I needed her to show up for me and my people, like, she was there. Yeah. And that goes such a long way. Like, I think, it does. It, like, people don't realize, like, small things just go so far in life. And just, like, I think the number one thing that makes a difference between uh, people who grow and people who are stagnant is um, showing up. Yeah. I think that's a big mm-hmm. difference. That's like if you want a job, show up to the networking event. Show up early. Don't be like, oh, I want a job and I'm just going to apply online. Like, okay, yeah, but take it another step. That's what sets you apart. Yeah. Like, do a podcast. Do some research in it. Do something. Like, showing up goes a long way. And, like, I think for your friend to do that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she realized how, like, impactful that is for you. But it's just like showing up especially when you have privilege it's like Mm -hmm. it it just goes a long way like use your voice and it's like we can all sit here and complain like the world sucks but it's like okay white people complain about the world sucks but y'all have the most privilege and the most thing to do anything with it you don't you lift you sit there and let your parents say racist stuff all the time you just sit back and don't do anything and you're like oh i wonder why the world sucks it's like you're part of you're part of the problem when you you become a bystander and i just Mm -hmm. yeah and i just want to make a note we will get into a more positive discussion but we just got to bring out the facts you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like, I, like you said, like that, like it, it may seem like small things, but that stuff sticks with you. Like I think about that on a regular basis. I also think of when we went to this Latino night at SU, um, Syracuse University, and 
it was a, a talk and so we went into the room and we're sitting there and a bunch of people are coming in and she's just looking around the room and she turns to me and she was like I'm the only white person here she's like I've never been the only white person in a room and she was like is this how you feel mm. like all the time and I was just wow. like yes because like I'm like I couldn't, I could never like, I would verbalize or try to verbalize that to people, but they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then for her to be in that room and to like finally get that, I was just like, (coughs) like, yes, like I just appreciated that moment. Yeah. The fact that she asked, do you like, is this how you feel all the time? That's amazing. You know, she, she wants to understand as, as your friend, what you go through on a day-to-day basis. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also don't think a lot of people would do that or say that. Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, like, I remember, you know, in high school, cause it's, you know, the white, um, very white uh, space but I remember like I think one time it was like the basketball team it's mostly black or something and then one of my white friends was like oh I'm the only white person here and I'm like oh, this is how we feel every day in school yeah. like it's just like sometimes <laughs> they just don't get it until they're in the space yeah. but I think it's like amazing to be like self-aware and be like oh this is how you must feel yeah and you I think that that's amazing that your friend asked is this how you feel instead of saying something like, oh, well, I'm the only white person here. Poor me. Wow, that's so weird. I'm the only mm-hmm. white person here. I felt a little uncomfortable. I'm the only white person here. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's amazing that she asked you that. And I, I personally think that I've also been blessed to be able to surround myself with white people who are more... I don't want to use the word woke because it's kind of played now, yeah. but mm-hmm. more just aware. aware. Yeah. yeah. More aware of, you know, the differences that we face and are willing to have conversations about it and are cool with just letting me, I don't know, vent about the dumb things that in the world connected to white people and privilege. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I want to bring up two things really quick. Um, bring it up. We were talking about our previous employer mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and how. So two years ago, Black History Month, it was when Black Panther came out. We did this, a lot of black people at the job, we did this whole month planning about like bringing in um, black owned businesses for lunches, planning this Black Panther screening, um, just doing a bunch of stuff for black history. And it was really amazing. Um, And then a week after that. And hold on to piggyback on that. We were going hard for this. Yeah. Like we have our nine to five jobs. And then on the side, we're doing all of this extra work to put together events for Black History Month for the company. Like mm-hmm. all month. Okay. It was just like a lot of work. Like obviously yeah. no one was paying us extra. We just wanted to bring the culture to mm-hmm. the the company and it was like we don't mind putting in the work i was putting mm-hmm. together an entire panel and kia was organizing lunches yeah for, just to get black people paid yeah just to get black vendors into the office yeah and i was yeah. really passionate about it because i'm like you know support black owned businesses like i yeah. really want to do this i really want to get money into these businesses and, and stuff i was really passionate about that whole month and then i think like right after the month ended um the white women were like we should do something for women's the white history women. month <laughs> 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 they're just like it's when Women's History Month right after we should do it and like guys they literally stole every single idea it wasn't any it wasn't even an attempt to be different it was like okay we're gonna do white uh, it wasn't white owned but it was was all white women women, it was like women businesses. businesses and we're gonna do a panel with women and i think they took the like one of the black women-owned vendors yes that you had to yeah they deliberately they took too. the the black woman oh. i got and she came up to me and she's like oh kia they asked me to do this and i just was like what which is great i mean it was great but paid, i was just like still, seriously like, there's so many how many restaurants in new york city and y'all 
took the one that I brought in and you want to get credit for that? Like that pissed me off. And then well, white, white women have a white women have a history of doing that. Yeah, shit. I was just, I couldn't believe it, but it was honestly, guys, it was so obvious that they had took every single like thank you. They had took every single um vendor and like not vendor, but every single idea we had really like planned for black history month and they just like took it and i just couldn't believe how like open they were about taking it yeah it was just really disheartening i was just like this is disgusting this place sucks and the second thing is that i was talking to my friend yesterday about the election and stuff and he was talking about um how he sees white feminism in the election cycle and he was saying how the press no one you know talked about tulsi I don't know if you guys are familiar. Um, she's still in the race, but she's oh, like, she's still there. Oh, she's still in. Um, yeah, and she because everyone's like, oh, there's no women running, but Tulsi's still in there. I agree. She, she probably should drop out. But he was just saying that <laughs> you know during this whole election cycle, like no one really, the press never highlighted her. It was just like Amy and Elizabeth Warren, and how he mm-hmm. felt like that was very white feminism, and how like no one was shining a light on her. And he was just like, I just think like if it's not intersectional, it's not feminism. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to hear that from a wow. uh, black male friend. Yeah. yeah, I do think that's interesting, especially I think also because Tulsi Gabbard's a little bit of a um, uh, cop. I don't know. I feel like. She- at least in the political cycle from what I've read about her and like all the stuff. She's like a complicated person. She is. But not a complicated person, like a complicated figure. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have like the same values, I think, and traditional yeah. Democrat, but I just thought it was interesting how he was like, well, no one really, the press never like highlighted her. Mm. Like they did Amy and uh, but, Elizabeth but, Warren. But, and also the press did dirty too to, to Elizabeth Warren at one point. And I think that, and I think it's also, it's, so it's like, uh, it's being selective with which women you're highlighting, but then also like not highlighting women at all, because there was a point where Elizabeth Warren was like out of the press, like yeah. no one was covering her. And I'm like, the, she's still there. Yeah. <laughs> like she's still one of the top candidates and no one is uh, talking about her, but they did the same thing with Andrew Yang. Like that man couldn't even and get a, yeah. a word in, yeah. in these yeah. debates. So yeah, that that is really true. Did you guys see the recent thing on CNN with Nina Turner? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. yes, she went you in on that, that woman. Um, <laughs> we sh- we shared that on the so called order. Oh, we did. Okay, Twitter look feed. at it, guys. Yeah, if you you need to click on it, I think Kia shared it. I watched it. Oh, and damn! I did that last. That woman night. deserved to be shut down. She was like, "You don't use." You can't talk about Martin Luther King. She was trying to like explain Martin Luther King to this black woman. And the girl like rightfully so went off because I I think it's funny how white people will always try to use MLK against black people as if they didn't kill him. I know, right? (laughs) MLK, you're too extreme. Calm down. MLK. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, what? Huh? <laughs> and it, it was crazy. So the white woman is the one who brought up Martin Luther King Jr. and how he would have wanted Biden or whatever. Yes, that's and what then she said. N- Nina starts. She starts reciting Martin Luther King Jr. quotes, like she's mm-hmm. saying his word, and she's saying like it's the white moderate that is like actually a danger. Um, and then the woman gets mad that she's quoting correctly Martin Luther King Jr. and she's like, "Don't you use him against me?" I'm like, "What the well, hell?" It was really irritating if you guys you know look at watch it so-called oreos or or watch it but do you guys have anything else about feminism white feminism before we move on to the positive portion Um, i think we should move on you think we should move on rachel amari i was just gonna say gloria steinem who is a white woman but we fucks with her um (laughs) said that feminism cannot be feminism if there is white feminism so 
so oh, word. Wow. Okay. Wow. So moving forward. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to make this a little positive for you guys. We're just not all like white women bashing and male bashing. <laughs> I feel like anyone who says that, just shut up. Anyway. Um, so we want to highlight the people, the women that were influential to us and are, you know, mentors and who we look up to. So yeah. Janae, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I wanted to talk about my grandma's, um, because I I think it's it's amazing to look back at what older generations had to deal with. My grandmother on my father's side came from Mississippi from a family of farmers who didn't have much. Um, and to be able to come, I think she was 17 or 19 years old when she came to New York from Mississippi with not a ton of family, not knowing a ton of people. Um, I was talking to her. A little while ago and she told me that like she first got here and just cried every day Um, and to be able to adjust to something so new and then become a teacher's assistant and basically just work her way up and and find a way to live life comfortably and still be able to help her family and even help support her adult sons at time and help them to where they are today is a beautiful, fantastic thing. And that's something that I will always like look to and strive for that inner strength. And just on inner strength, I want to talk about my other grandma, um, rest in peace on my mom's side. You know, she was a single mother raising eight kids. Damn. Like eight kids, eight kids. God bless her. In the fifties and sixties. Like, how did you keep the lights on? How did you manage? How did you raise my beautiful, intelligent, amazing mother? I would have given up. Yeah. And she pushed through and made it and still had like a smile on her face every day. So shout out, grandmas. That's amazing. Shout out. Man. Um, Yeah. Women are just so strong, uh, especially black women. And looking, I think you like really can see that when you look at the women in your family. Um, Yeah. I just want to highlight all all the women in my family, uh, especially my mom, I think, you know, having a black mother who is a business owner, um, really meant a lot to me growing up having a grandma, a grandmother, Velma Pollard, who is, uh, you know, and in, in, she's a well-known Jamaican writer, uh, poet, novelist, um, and to see her go to um, talks around the world and just keep up with her schedule has been amazing. My other grandmother was one of the first black, was the first black woman to graduate from a beauty school in California and then went wow. back to Jamaica. Okay. Yep. And opened up her own beauty salon. Uh, and yeah, so I think like looking at the women in my family, I had no choice but to be a feminist. Like my, they may not have talked or even mentioned the word feminist to me but just in their actions and um what they were able to do with their lives is just uh full proof that uh my path was clearly set for me great yeah rachel you want to highlight some people yeah my mom uh my mom i think she's an extraordinary woman um she raised 11 kids and <laughs> not on her own my dad Ooh. was there too but um the fact that like all of us are well and she made sure that like all of her kids were taken care of and she sacrificed a lot she was a stay-at-home mom and then she realized that she needed to help out so she 
took on like multiple jobs and now she's like a nurse at a nursing home and she will do whatever it takes to make sure that her kids all right and she just want the best for her kids and I get my strength from my mom and my grandma's a badass um, <laughs> on my mom's side and she always told me that you know you don't need a man for nothing you can do everything on your own um, she came to America from Haiti and she brought all her kids and she made sure that they were well taken care of. And um, she's like very, very strong. And I appreciate my mom, my grandma and all the women in my family. Yeah, that's amazing. Amen. Um, I'll highlight some people. So, yeah, my mom, like you guys said, I think naturally you just see like how your mom interacts in the world. And you just have like a as you grow older, you have like a more um sympathetic with her like raising two kids because i'm like the thought of coming home from work with two kids makes me want to kill myself but um <laughs> and i know me, like twins me and my sister were a lot and i know like sometimes i just am annoying on purpose so you know i'm just like damn that is a lot um but yeah just seeing how like kind she is too like um is, is really amazing and then my grandma like you said janae like hearing stories from like growing up in alabama and like moving north and like how she always like has she always like has these very important things to say about history and how she lived it and like our family and stuff and it always makes me just think like how lucky we are and how how like you just don't hate the world going through that and um i'm really grateful for that to have her alive and tell me all that um so that's really awesome and then in career wise the people i look up to like Issa Rae is a huge one mm-hmm. which we this podcast relates to awkward black girl you know yeah. we talk very about that so. a lot yeah very much so so that was the first thing that i saw that really resonated with me growing up in white school and i had followed Issa ever since and it's just amazing to see how how much she's grown and how popular she is now it's really it's really a blessing to see. And then other people in the industry, like Shonda Rhimes, um, how Shonda Rhimes is a single mother, three kids, and how she was able to basically like, own ABC Network for Thursday nights is just crazy. That was like her first show, Grey's Anatomy. Um, and she got it on ABC and how she just like has this huge deal on Netflix. And then Ava DuVernay, who her mm-hmm. first thing she directed was Selma. And now she's one of the biggest directors. It's just amazing. Then also Rihanna, who is my <laughs> second favorite person besides Obama. Uh, Rihanna is just I just am awe of Rihanna first of all how stunning she is like every time I look at her I'm just like I I cannot believe that God made a human this beautiful I just I cannot I cannot fathom it with her toes everything about her I'm just like she can wear little trash and it will look amazing because it is Rihanna and I just that's crazy I don't like to start things with uh, beauty with women but I just had to say that because I was just like wow but anyway how she uses her voice um, she does a lot international and how she does a lot for Barbados and she met with like the president of France and um, to do just a lot of work on an uh, international platform is amazing and then how she started Fenty Beauty and how she highlights everyone's skin tone um, and Fenty beauty and even her fashion shows like just what she does and how she um she just seems like a cool friend like how she like it's like honestly she's like so classy with like the way she like shoots back at people and people try to attack her and just i just think that's so amazing about her so i always like look up to her and like wow i wish i can have a voice to like affect that many people it's just Mm -hmm. like and how she just levels up like come on she was seeing a billionaire and then let him go like i just i stand forever so yeah that's people i want to highlight i love rihanna (laughs) my god love riri yes rachel you want to talk mental health Yeah, 
it's time to talk mental health. So on this segment, I, segment I want to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. PTSD is a mental illness that is triggered after experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event. A traumatic event can be an accident, assault, military combat, or natural disasters, just to name a few. These events can have lasting effects on a person's mental health, and PTSD can occur at any age. PTSD affects 3.6% of the U.S. adult population, about 9 million individuals. Women are significantly more likely to experience PTSD than men. Mm. A few symptoms are re-experiencing the traumatic event, such as recurring involuntary and intrusive distressing memories, which can include flashbacks of the trauma, bad dreams, and intrusive thoughts. Avoidance, staying away from certain places, objects, or person that might activate overwhelming symptoms. Cognitive and mood symptoms can include trouble recalling the event, negative thoughts about oneself, and symptoms of PTSD usually begin three months after experiencing or being exposed to a traumatic event. Symptoms can also emerge years afterward. Treatment is psychotherapy, medication, self-management strategies such as self-soothing and mindfulness are helpful to ground a person and bring them back to reality. Service animals, especially dogs, can help soothe some of the symptoms. That is all for the time to talk. Mental health. Okay. Janae with the shits. Yeah. I still haven't figured out a name for this segment, so I kind of like change it every week. I like it. Change it I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, the shits. I, just won't say, I, won't, I won't say with the shits next time. Just say Janae got Janae, it. Oh, Janae with the shits. <laughs> that can be taken so many ways. I don't have the shits. I'm feeling good today. Hey. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so Shannon wrote in this week. She said, hey, all I love your show and want you to keep doing what you're doing. I'm writing in because I've been having a bit of roommate drama. So I live in a very expensive neighborhood in a very small apartment with two other people. With all that said, I do love the apartment and I generally get along with the people I live with. Recently, a great opportunity fell into my lap to move into a spacious room with beautiful floor to ceiling windows and a walk in closet. Um, so I leapt at the opportunity. Of course, I let my old roommates know as soon as I agreed to start the process of getting the other room and volunteered to find my substitute. I understand that I am breaking my current lease and I'm trying to be as much of a team player as I possibly can. The issue is my two old roommates are making finding someone to fill my place impossible. I created a spreadsheet of prospective viewers and organized times of viewings Everyone I picked was too young or too old or their job seemed too unstable. When I first told them about leaving, they even tried to push me to put the listing up before I even knew I got the other room. Dang. Um, my question is, how much should I fight back here? I am the one who is breaking the lease. So would I be dead wrong for telling them to chill out? Let me know. Thanks. Mm. I've had some roommate issues, so I... Why does she care? I'm confused. Because she's leaving, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... So what, what, like how much evolved is she in this decision? Well, I think, I think because if you're breaking the lease and you leave, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I get why her roommates would want to make sure that they would like whoever is, um, 
uh, coming into their space, but it is ultimately up to her. Exactly. Who, yeah. Who's going to take her room because she's leaving and she needs someone to um, take it over. I would say if, if, if it seems like it's going to become an issue and you can afford to do it based off of how much time is between you breaking the lease and the lease being over or like up for renewal, I my ass might just pay mm. um, that time and um, and if they can get a roommate in at some point, um, I don't know, but it, 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 I can see how it might be messy, especially if they're trying to like uh, manipulate the process. Yeah, and depending on I your relationship prior. Mm-hmm. To, to everything with them. I mean, you don't want to completely end the relationship on a sour note. I get that. Um, but I think you're completely within your right to tell them to chill. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who's breaking the lease, so you're responsible with finding a substitute. And if they're just being picky, like you said, about them being too old or, or too young, I'd sit them down and say, look, guys, we have a finite amount of time to get this done. Um, and I'm being as cooperative as I possibly can, but you guys have to give me some wiggle room here. Yeah. Yeah, because I think you're not making this easy. If it's closer to like the date where you have to leave and they're still being picky, I think yeah. that's when it's like, okay, well, I'm leaving regardless. Yeah, exactly. And you can either take this person or not. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it got to be like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully it works out and they find someone. But it's also like if you live in New York City, like you live in New York you know, City, come it's on, not that yeah. yeah. And also, I think that's interesting, too, because like it's like, yeah, you should be responsible because you're breaking it for who gets in the, in the room. But also with my last apartment, I had incredible roommates and uh they banded together to find the person that they wanted to take over my room and it wasn't hard like so i don't understand why your roommates can't you know if they 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 could also if they don't like who you're bringing to the table take it upon themselves to find who should replace the room yeah that's true and it's like if you leave and you're like i'm not paying their ass has to pay yeah um to me it just sounds like they're butthurt (laughs) <laughs> and they need to get over it. Like, honestly, I, I get it. It's super annoying and inconvenient that at whatever point in your lease, your roommate is just kind of like, I want to leave. That's annoying as hell. I've been through it. But at the same time, you have to respect that person's wishes. Like, yeah. you just mm-hmm. have to. And mm-hmm. just get over it. Like hopefully it all works out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And help. hopefully your new your new place works out for you, too. Yeah, because floor to ceiling and windows and a walk-in closet. Come on, now you got money. City, what? My God, I have to be there too. You need a roommate. (laughs) Good luck for free. We wish you luck. Okay, well, I think that's, I think we're all good for this episode, right, guys? I yeah. So. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us this week, uh, fellow Oreos. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please follow us on all social media at So Called Oreos. And you can also email us at So Called Oreos at gmail.com. Our inbox is always open. We also have a new survey where you can give us feedback. Um, you can find it on our Instagram, our Twitter, um, everywhere. The show notes. Basically. It'll be please. in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, and the show notes, sorry, show notes. Uh, Please, please take the survey because we really want to make sure that we make this podcast what you guys want because it doesn't exist without you. Um, And you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitchers, Pandora, Google Play, anywhere that plays podcasts. And please remember to like, rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.